You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast Deer Season Special. These bonus episodes revolve around deer hunting stories and experiences from a host of deer hunters. These whitetail hunting BS sessions will be launched every week during the 2023 hunting season, adding fuel to your fire in the deer woods. Be entertained and hopefully learn something along the way. The title sponsor of the Deer Season Special Series is Vantage Point Archery, home to the toughest machined one-piece broadheads made in the USA. VPA products are built to last, which is why they have a lifetime warranty, and if you're not completely satisfied, you can send it back, which I highly doubt will occur. New to the lineup this year is VPA's Omega Broadhead. It combines the features of a single bevel with strength of a double bevel. This broadhead also comes with lay-flat sharpening technology. You heard right, a single bevel broadhead you can lay flat and sharpen without a jig. You can find the Omega and all the other broadheads at vparchery.com. Pennsylvania Woodsman is also brought to you by Radix Hunting, home of the M-Core cell camera, stick-and-pick camera accessories, and much more. Also brought to you by Vitalize Seed, a one-two planting system designed with diversity and biology in mind, making it the best food plot available. And lastly, by Huntworth Gear, quality hunting clothing at an affordable cost, makers of heat boost technology. This week's guest is Isaac Fisher. Isaac is one of a few guys that hosts the Chasing Dreams Outdoors YouTube channel. Now, the video that caught my eye was Isaac's 2022 Pennsylvania Public Land Whitetail. This was an absolute giant that he had a two-year history with, and he did a fantastic job of creating a wonderful video that highlighted this process of scouting and finding this deer up until the day that he wrapped his tag around it. It's a story of dreams coming true on the truly majestic monster Pennsylvania whitetail. Be sure to check it out on their YouTube channel. That's Chasing Dreams Outdoors YouTube. And tune into this story with Isaac. It's one that all of us can relate to. Joining me on this week's show, I've, I've got a got a, a person here that I got to connect with, uh, seeing their YouTube channel, uh, seeing a, a really cool hunt they posted from last year, and I'm, I'm anxious to talk with them. I've got Isaac Fisher on the line. Isaac, thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on tonight. How are you been? Good, man. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to be here. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it's it's been a really good year again. For sure. You were a little hesitant to hop on the show. And the, honestly, those are my favorite. I, I love having people on the show that just love deer hunting because I'm definitely nobody spectacular. Nobody knows me. And, you know, I, I, I like the video you put out and want people to hear your story. And I, I just like having everybody that, you know, everybody, uh, everybody join in on the conversation. So it's uh, good to have you. How was your hunting season this year? 
Um, it was good. I mean, it's always a good time, uh, for sure. I actually didn't, uh, punch any tags this year. Um, but I, I hunted a lot. So, um, yeah, that's always fun. We traveled to, um, Kentucky in early season. That was September. And we traveled to, um, Kansas in November. Um, so, and we hunted PA as well. And actually, I hunted West Virginia down at my brother's. There's a farm down there. Um, so I hunted there as well. So I was, I hunted four different states for white tails. Um, but yeah, didn't punch any tags, but either way, I still had a really good time. Well, that sounds like a good time. And, and I was just, ha- I just had a conversation with somebody on a, another podcast. We were talking about that. I, I, this year I was fortunate. I filled a bunch of tags and my wife was giving me grief about hunting so much and wanting to keep going. And it's like, it's not the, it's not killing stuff that I'm interested in. I'm interested in hunting. I like going out and going hunting. That's what really, really gets me going. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. The adventure part of it is, yeah, it's, it's, it's really addicting for me. So I, I wouldn't mind if you'd introduce yourself and, and, you know, I came across you via YouTube. So tell us a little bit about that. And, uh, I, I dive into, uh, into a pretty cool story. I think you got from, from last season. Um, yeah. So I'm Isaac Fisher. Um, so myself and two of my buddies, we started this YouTube channel. Um, I think it was about two years ago. Um, we just do it for fun. Um, we have like some social media stuff, um, like Instagram, uh, Facebook. We are, uh, chasing dreams out there. And, um, yeah, we just love to hunt. Um, we hunt mostly whitetails and, um, love to, um, explore and just, yeah, go on an adventure. So before you started the YouTube channel, were you guys dabbling in, videoing hunts in the past before that and the only reason i ask is because uh, i feel like i feel like you almost have to be to have that interest because i tried videoing hunts and it's just not my thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah i got you um so yeah we we've all been um like self-filming and stuff for a number of years um we just kind of played around with it and you know put a couple videos together here and there um, but yeah, I guess we just kind of like bought more camera gear as the years went on and eventually just, um, yeah, decided to, um, post some videos on YouTube. So to have, uh, as you've done this, how many times have you run into cases where the camera saved a deer? Um, I don't think it ever has for me. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get to that point, to be honest. Um, I just do it for fun. So, yeah, it's not like, I mean, you know, I always thought about maybe if it'd be like a borderline shooter or something, if it'd be like I could get incredible footage, I would. If not, you know, and he'd slip away, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But, yeah, I mean, probably not. That's kind of where I'm at. I I have to retract my my video statement there for a second because I actually, when I went to New Jersey this year bear hunting, I took my video camera with me and I got a little bit of video of of, uh, some cubs that were close to me. And this one cub, I made one move on my camera and didn't the thing 
make just the slightest clicking sound, looked right up in the tree at me and took off. I'm like, this is why I don't want to bother with a camera. But, I mean, I praise anybody who does it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I guess I thought you were referring to, like, you know, if I wouldn't shoot because of not getting footage or something, which, you know, I don't think it's really ever going to come to that for me. But as far as in, like, you know, a lot of movement and stuff, I mm-hmm. mean, maybe it's happened that, you know, I don't even know. Like, there's definitely takes longer to set up and and everything. So you're definitely moving around in the tree a little more. Yeah, I, I, mean, I know I've talked to other people that video that they, you know, maybe you struggle with getting uh, getting the right, uh, you know, the, the deer in frame, you know, you especially if you're self-filming. Like, if you put something, you got it set up, you come to full draw, and then it moves. So then I've seen guys let down and then move again and adjust for that. And, you know, eventually it, it, one of two things happens. Either you shoot the deer out of frame or it gets away. And uh, I, uh, I'm i one of those where I would just as soon shoot it out of frame. So if I'm going to shoot it out of frame, there's a part of me that just doesn't want to film it in the first place. Yeah, I got you. Um Actually, what happened last year was um, I actually turned my um, my main camera, my camcorder, I turned it off by mistake, um, but I had a um, Tacticam on my bow, which is like a, a stabilizer mount. Um, so that caught the shot. I mean, it's a little more shaky and stuff, but that was just kind of the backup plan. Which I was still pretty impressed with. That, that video that you made turned out great. But what I liked about that video was <clears throat> you told a story about the deer. And I, I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. Um, so, so you know, spoiler alert, you, you killed an absolute um, possible deer of a lifetime. I mean, I can't say it's a deer of a lifetime because we see deer of that caliber in Pennsylvania more and more. And it's definitely possible that you would have that potential in the future. But I mean, it is an absolute stud of a white tail. Uh, you did it on public land and it was a, a fantastic deer. So congratulations to you, but I'm kind of curious, where did that whole thing begin? Uh, I appreciate it, man. Um, so yeah, I think it was the summer of, um, 21, the year before I killed him. Um, my brother and I were actually doing work in the area, um, where this buck was living. I mean, it was miles, but, um, we got to know the, um, homeowner of the place we're working at. And we just got to talking, uh, white tails with him a little bit and we figured out, you know, there's some really good buck in the area. And, uh, yeah, I pulled up, pulled up my maps and um, saw, you know, there's public land like five miles from there, I think. And, yeah, I decided to scout it that summer. And um, I think it was the in July, early July. Um, I was glassing um, neighboring private fields. And that's where I laid eyes on him for the first time. Um, there was a bunch of deer out feeding. And, yeah, he was looking like a pretty good buck. And, um, kind of went and yeah, to start hunting that piece. I never had hunted that piece before. So, um, I'm not sure what's going on. Every now and then I hear you, you cut in and out a little bit. I'm not sure if it's where uh, you got your phone or whatever, but, uh, uh, you were cutting in and out there. But I, I want to know what was your first reaction when you first laid eyes on that deer? 
Okay. Um, the first reaction, yeah, I honestly didn't think it was that big. I mean, I, you know, he's definitely a shooter, but I didn't think he was going to be, you know, 140 to 150 or whatever he probably was that year. Um, but either way, I was really excited. There was another buck with him that also looked like he'd probably be a shooter. Um, so at that point, I decided to, um, to really scout the area, uh, that fall. Cause I was, you know, definitely excited enough to, uh, go all in. Um, so yeah, that kind of was my first reaction. Was, uh, was scout, did scouting mostly entail boots on the ground and, and maps or did you also run cameras for the deer? Uh, yeah, I also ran cameras. Um, so I actually have a pretty good drive up to there from my house. So I only did a couple scouting trips in the summer and, um, hung a couple cameras and, um, yeah, I actually, I couldn't get on him in the summer, which this was private fields. I've, I, I had seen him in the summer and then he was nowhere to be found until like the end of October, uh, when he finally showed up on a trail camera. Okay, so you ended up you you did uh, he did make an appearance then in twenty one. So what was uh, what was the hunting season like? Did you spend a lot of time, or were you kind of you know looking for a specific time of year that you could hunt that you'd go after? And what did what did twenty one hunting season look like when you were uh, trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together? Um, so twenty one, I hunted um, yeah early season like October. Um, the first couple weekends, I mean, I kind of realized, I, I kind of realized I wasn't really close. I wasn't getting any pictures and I wasn't really seeing buck period, to be honest. It was, there's a big doe group, uh, living on public and I don't know if it's just overrun with those or what it is, but there's just not many buck around in the early season. And, um, towards the end of October, uh, the buck started showing up and just looking for does and, that's when I got the first picture of him. I think it was like 28th. And, um, yeah, I did spend like three or four days hunting him, um, right around November 1st, I believe. Okay. And I never laid eyes on him in the woods. Uh, I did have an opportunity at another buck that I hit in the shoulder, I believe. Um, I never recovered him. I think he made it, um, survive to the next year as well but yeah i i hunted the gun season up there as well and there was no more sightings of him i actually thought he probably got shot just because he disappeared like that and um had pretty much given up over or given up of ever seeing him again like over the winter um i shed hunted as well but um yeah, wasn't able to find any signs of him over so the winter. The the private fields that you were glassing the deer in the summer, how far are you talking from where you were actually spending time hunting the deer? Like how far as a crow flies are we talking? Um not real far. This was between probably a quarter mile to a half a mile from where mostly where I was hunting. Okay. Okay, so it was. It seemed like that we were. You're just kind of talking about a, a shift in his in his habits. 
Yeah, I think so. Or I don't know if you know what the betting is like on the on the private or what what's going on there. I know there's a lot of does living on public, and around the last week of October is when the bucks really start showing up on public. Gotcha. Um, and he was just kind of like a lot of the, a lot of other bucks were doing kind of the same thing he was. So when you had found this deer, I'm I'm assuming you hadn't hunted this area at all prior to that. So when you first, you know, you put one year into hunting a brand new area, um, what were, what, what did you come off of that season feeling like? I mean, did you feel like you, you learned something? Was it overwhelming? Um, like tell me a little bit about how the, the close of that season felt like going into 22. Um, Honestly, it didn't feel like as overwhelming as some of the big woods spots because this is, honestly, this isn't really big woods compared to some of the other areas with like ag being that close. Um, I saw a ton of deer. I hardly had a dry hunt. Um, so there's a lot of deer in the area and a lot of exciting hunts. Um, but yeah, it definitely felt like, um, you know, if he was alive using like that, that data from the previous year, like that, I would have a shot at it. Gotcha. What was the hunting pressure like? Um, there was a lot of hunting pressure, mm. um, especially gun season, but even archery season, there was, there was more hunting pressure there than there is like a lot of places where, um, where it's like a low deer density area which is you know kind of understandable people want to see deer and um with it being that close to like ag and stuff it seems like hunters just tend to flock to that gotcha so you know going through into 2022 uh you were thinking this deer had got harvested but what uh what kind of brought you back um I thought the habitat was definitely good enough to, um, to hold like even another mature buck, um, even if he wasn't around. So it was actually July, I think is when I made, actually it was the, it was the same exact date as the year, uh, previous that I had, um, seen him in the field for the first time. Um, I went back and saw the same two bucks and I was, yeah, I was really shocked to see them. Hmm. Yeah, that had to be uh that had to be like game on right from from then and there. Yeah, for sure. He had actually, he had put on like 20 inches probably too. So, yeah, I was really excited at that point. Yeah, I had uh had a similar experience um with a deer I killed a few years ago when he showed up the next year and put on uh put on the 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 size that he did. I mean, he probably jumped same thing, 15 plus inches. And, uh, that was a huge, like almost all inspiring moment. I was so excited and elated. So one year of hunting this deer, um, what's going through your mind now going into this season? Um, were you going to approach things similar to the way you'd approached them the year before or, or, or how did you, uh, how did you kind of go into the 22 season? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I hung more trail cameras and um, scouted more in the summer, but yeah, my plan was 
was based on um, the previous year's uh, data with with this buck, and um, but I definitely spent more time up there in the summer just to um, get a better feel for the area. But I kind of figured it's going to go the same way with you know just seeing mostly does in the early season. Honestly, it, it's it's crazy. I think he showed up on uh, the same trail camera. Um, it was within a day of the previous year, and at like three o'clock in the morning, which previous year was also like three or four o'clock in the morning. So mm-hmm. that was pretty incredible. So the the extra scouting you did, the extra cameras you did, did you learn anything additional that helped you for that year, or were you kind of still kind of seeing this uh, repetitiveness from the year before as you were hunting this deer? Um, I'm not sure if, you know, much of the summer scouting would have helped me that much for, for him, like for his pattern, just cause he didn't spend much time there, like other than during the rut, but it really helped to, um, to, um, kind of figure out where the doe groups are, are living, where they like to hang out. Gotcha. So the, you're getting started getting pictures of them around the same time. Tell me a little bit about how you planned your hunting towards this deer. Um, did, uh, did stand setups change as far as location and stuff? Um, stand setups. I actually, I did not have any stands set up in that area. Um, but Actually, I had one like mobile setup that I had set up for like a week during during the time I hunted him. Um, but yeah, I guess I based a lot of my uh, my hunting um, last year in twenty two off of like any kind of historical data that I had off of off of him. Um, even there was a couple cameras that I just kind of had soaking um, about half a mile from where I hunted mostly in 21 um, that I checked after the season. And I saw there was a couple of daylight pictures of him in like early to uh, middle November. Um, so, I yeah, I tried to keep like every single picture I had of him to um, just kind of like base a plan you know, off that data in 22. Gotcha. So tell me a little bit about how you played that hand then going into 22. I mean, did you, uh, was the, was the day you killed him the first time that you laid eyes on him or was there, were there there other encounters? Um, that was the first time I actually laid eyes on him, like in the woods. Um, a couple of days, um, prior to, when I killed him, I I saw him in that private field again when I was glassing. That was on a Sunday, and we weren't able to hunt that Sunday. Um, so I did see him a couple of days before that. He was out chasing does um, in the field. But, um, yeah, I had never encountered him before in the woods. So that first day, uh, that, that day that you ended up encountering the deer and killing him, tell me a little bit about... Um your your stand setup that you were in uh why did why did you choose that location what was special about it in your mind that 
you know, made it work? Um, so it was on a, um, on a saddle connecting, um, back to a high point, um, coming from a lot of these deer were traveling from ag. I really wasn't that far from ag at that point. Um, and the does were working back off the fields in the morning. And, um, I think, I think this was November 2nd. Um, I think, I think the year before I had a picture, a daylight picture of him November 3rd, about 200 yards from there. So I kept that in mind. And I mean, during the rut, you never really know, you know, are they going to be in the same area or not, but it still feels like, you know, there's kind of like some hope there, you know? And, um, actually I had a, I had a picture of him with a doe, I think like October 30th up in that area. That was daylight as well. And, um, I pulled the card, um, probably a day after that picture was taken. And then I really started kind of, um, honing in on that area a little more. Okay. Um, actually, so one more thing about that area is there is like, there's a doe group living back there as well. Um, it seems there's always like a handful of does that's, you know, kind of regularly going, uh, back and forth to, to the ag fields. Okay. So, yeah, at that point I was just kind of ready to, to hunt some, uh, doe groups and I figured, you know, at some point he's going to be with a doe. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah that's probably your, your best case, right? So let's let's fast forward to uh, to when you first laid eyes on him. What was uh, what what did that setup look like that morning? And uh, t- tell me your initial reaction. <laughs> yeah the um, the setup the setup was right on an oak flat. I mean, it's basically on a saddle. It's a it's a really good spot for a deer movement, and. Um, I think I'd seen a handful of like yearling bucks, um, just a bunch of spikes and four points and stuff and a couple of does as well. Um, so I think by about, yeah, eight o'clock I'd seen like most of those deer and there was, there was two small buck just hanging out to the side, um, just kind of messing with each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, so with all the noise and everything going on, I actually decided to uh, to let out a couple of soft grunts. Um, I actually kind of like to do that, you know, just in case like a deer does hear it and he ends up kind of coming to investigate. Like it all makes sense to him, you know. There's sure. you know a small buck is there or something. So um, I th- I think he might have heard it. Um, I-, I had no idea he was around at that point. Um, I let out a couple of small grunts. Uh, the two small buck just kind of, you know, looked over for a little bit and just kept on, you know, kind of messing with each other. And, um, yeah, I just looked up past them and I just saw, yeah, a big rack, um, white antlers. And yeah, I just, I knew it was him and he's heading pretty much straight for my tree. Um, and it kind of seemed like he was definitely looking for something. So I, I think he might have heard the grunts. 
I will never forget. So you know, I, I was I was sharing with you before we started the the picture of your buck. Just looking at it, it's so similar to a buck that I had killed in uh, 2020. And I will never forget. You know, I was anticipating seeing this deer, and I will never forget when I did finally lay my eyes on the deer unglued is probably the best word that I can think of to use <laughs> when I laid eyes on him and how I kept it together to make the shot. I honestly don't, I, I don't know how to answer that. I, I think it's just something I can only say that it was a gift from God, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah. true, true excitement and, and adrenaline, like I can never explain before. So, um, if you knew it was the deer right away, was it a similar, uh, similar case for you? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that, that explains it right there. Um, yeah, he, he's coming in on a string and I was actually, um, filming the two small buck with my, uh, my main camera, my camcorder. And, um, I, I hit record, so it shut it off and, you know, I pretty much lost it at that point. It's crazy. Um, I hit record, I shut the camera off, and I'm still trying to get footage of him as he's coming in, oh. and the camera was running. Um, so, yeah, luckily, luckily that didn't um, screw me up in any way. Um, but he, he came in and just gave a um, perfect um, quarter away shot. And um, somehow, I mean, I remember settling the pen and telling myself to... Um, calmed down a little bit and I left it flying and hit him good. Um, the arrow stuck for like 30 yards or so. And he, yeah, he, I mean, he bolted and then he kind of stopped for a little bit, got a little wobbly and took off again. And then I lost him. Mm. Um, he ended up only going about 80 yards, but we did let him by for a little bit. Um, just to make sure. But, yeah, like you said, man, it's definitely, I mean, without God's help, there's, yeah, there's no way I'm, I'm even getting close to hitting him where I want to. It's crazy. You know, the, I think watching the video and seeing your reaction when you got to walk up on him and, and lay your hands on him tells it all, but dis- describe your feelings after two years of pursuing something like this. You know, there's, you always know you have a chance when you're when you're hunting, right? There's always that possibility, but when, when it's when it's something like this, something so special of, of such a large caliber deer and stuff like that, there's always that like sense of doubt. Like, there's no way this is going to happen. There's no way this is going to happen. So when it actually <laughs> does, uh, it's it's so hard. So like, describe to me what it was like for you. Um. Yeah, I mean when I. When I first seen him laying there, it's, I mean, I don't know, man, just, um, a lot of respect for, for a, um, a mature buck, um, that is, you know, this smart that, um, you know, it definitely takes a lot of luck to even get close to him. And, um, he's this smart all year. Um, and you know, it's the time of the year during November, especially where like they let their guard down a little bit and just moving down a little more. It's, um, yeah, just a lot of respect for an animal like that. Mm. 
So after that whole thing comes down, you, you fast forward to 2023. Did that chain of events that happened for you, did that change your mindset or your thought process and how you hunted this year at all? Um, yeah, it did. Um, one thing it did was, um, I really wanted to, um, to find like a specific deer, like a, you know, a, a really big buck, um, like an older mature deer to, um, pursue. And I started scaling some other areas that, um, I could get a little bit further away from private. Um, a little bit further back in just so that, um, you know, he's not going to be spending most of his time on private like this buck did. Right. Um, cause it felt like, you know, other than like November mostly or the end of October a little bit like this buck was, you know, I couldn't even get close to him. Yeah. When you're, when you're hunting narrow windows like that, it, it becomes tough because, if you get fixated on one deer, but you can only hunt him for <laughs> a few, you know, a few days or a week or two weeks out of the year, uh, that becomes extremely challenging. Um, I, I know I, I experienced the same thing. You know, the, the story that you're telling me, I feel like it's a deja vu moment for me because in 2019, um, the buck that I ended up killing in 20 <laughs> had very similar instances where the deer would show up for duration of time um the the third week of october and then i'd get him for uh some daylight images throughout that week of october and it was about a seven to ten day window of when he would he'd show up and he was there for I, i think he did it like three times that week and uh then he was gone and i didn't see him almost the entire season fast forward to uh, I believe it was Christmas Day of, of 2019, I got a picture of the deer, and then uh, I ended up seeing him while I was doe hunting, because I had tug, tugged out at that point. Um, I saw him when I was trying to shoot a doe in late season with the bow, and uh, you know, then it was, okay, game on, this deer made it through rifle season, I'm going to see what I can do next year. And uh, I think when I got my first picture of him in 19, it was like, October 17th, and I want to say the first picture of him in 20 was the 18th or 19th, and I killed him on the 23rd. It was something crazy like that. So those windows, like, yeah, they're they're definitely a, a realistic possibility, but if you put yourself in a headlock for just a week of the season and you don't have any other options, it... It, it becomes harder to do something different, even though there's nothing wrong with it. There's plenty of season. There's plenty of other deer. It's just that mindset so tough. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're after this, like, one, you know, specific buck, it's, yeah, it makes it really tough. Now, not that uh, not that score is, is everything, but it's just a metric. Did, did you have that deer scored or score it yourself? Um, yeah, I had him scored, um, recently, actually, I just got him back from the taxidermy, and, um, they taped him out at 158, and we had taped him out after I shot him at 162, I think it was, so I don't know, we might have been a little high, and he might have dried a little bit, I'm not sure. 
Well, if it's anything like me, um, I'm always generous if I tape my own deer. So I, uh, whatever I say with my own deer, there's a good chance you can, you know, drop, you know, three to five inches. I was a little bit generous with some of those fractions, but, uh, no, that's a, a fantastic deer, fantastic, uh, experience. I appreciate it, man. So you said yours was pretty identical. Is that about the, is that about what he scored as well? Uh, mine actually, when I taped him the night I killed him, I got 174, but, um, when I got him scored by somebody else, I think it was like 60 days or 90 days after I shot him or something like that. Um, I had somebody that does like a lot of deer and is really good at it. He got 170. So kind of the same Mm -hmm. instance where it was probably, I was a little generous and then there was probably a little bit of a dry in, in between there, but yeah, that was, uh. That was just an incredible, incredible deer pinch me moment. Yeah, no kidding, man. That's a that's definitely a PA dream right there. It is, and and anywhere you can do it, really. I mean, a deer of that caliber, in my opinion, is hard to beat anywhere in the country. But to me, there's something special when it's your home ground. And, you know, and you did it on public land too. That's that's another really cool thing. I mean, how many deer um, in uh, in, in our part of the world come out of public land looking of that caliber. I mean, they're definitely out there and they definitely come out every year, but, uh, it's, it's the, t- I would have to say it's definitely the top 5%, maybe less. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely tough on public. Um, but it's definitely tough on, you know, some of these private pieces to probably get pressured um, just as much as some of these larger tracks of public. Sure. Well, hey, this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on telling the story. Um, I'm kind of curious. Uh, you said you did a bunch of hunting. Um, you didn't punch any tags this year, but you had all kinds of places and adventures and stuff. So what's, uh, what's the footage and videos going to look like coming up here? Is there going to be anything popping out this winter? Um, yeah, we definitely want to, um, get some more videos out. Um, one thing we want to do is like a, um, scouting video from the summer. Um, the, the new area that we, um, that we really honed in on, um, we did a bunch of, um, videos as we actually, this started last winter. Um, we did some shed hunting there, um, and all throughout the summer, we laid eyes on some good bucks. And, um, yeah, even throughout hunting season, um, we got footage of some deer and stuff, but, um, yeah, we weren't able to, um, punch any tags there, but we did get really close to, um, the two biggest buck we were after in October. And, um, they kind of disappeared in November. But, um, I think the one survived. He was still on camera as of, last week sometime so i'm kind of excited to go up and um, see if they survived gun season or not but yeah that's that's probably what we'd have coming out um kind of some scouting stuff um i'd like to get into um more of the like the educational videos anyway so yeah we might start like a small series or something with that good deal and uh just to make sure before we let you go make sure you you uh just reiterate uh your your channel and where everybody can follow along because 
Uh, you got a couple videos up. You got the video of your buck, and I saw you just, uh, I, th- I think you guys just posted a, another really great video of a hunt in Oklahoma. So, you know, make sure people uh, can, can check you out now. Okay. Yeah, that was uh, that was my buddy's buck from Oklahoma uh, last year. Um, our YouTube channel is um, Chasing Dreams Outdoors. Um, we're also on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Chasing Dreams Outdoors. Um, so yeah, feel free to, um, check us out. Good deal. Well, Hey, I wish you, uh, wish you the best of luck continuing out with this. And, uh, again, congratulations on a, on a fantastic deer. I know it's, uh, know it's over a year since it happened, but if you're anything like me, it's still probably, uh, something that you just can't help but smile when you think about. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, yeah, it's definitely a dream. Yep. Good deal. Hey, we'll catch you on the next one. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me, man.